What's up, college football fans? Welcome back. This is the Lions College Football Podcast for week number seven. My fearless co-host, Brett Gibbons, is back after another one of his legendary road trips. First of all, Brett, tell us, how is autumn in New England these days? It's amazing. It, it was everything uh, we hoped for and more. Uh, unfortunately, I didn't make it to Boston College uh, for that game, but I guess we'll take a week off. I guess we needed it. For sure. Back in Ohio as we record right now, but hitting the road again to go check out Marshall on Wednesday night. He has a write up for you previewing that game on the lines.com right now. If you want to check it out, just go onto the odds tab and click on NCAA football. But let's talk about how last week went for you first before we get into this week's slate of games on the show. We're going to look at a Thursday night game between Baylor and West Virginia and then the rest of the Saturday slate as well. As always, hit that subscribe button, hit that like button. Let us know in the comments who you are betting on in college football this week. But uh, just your thoughts here before we move forward on, on week six in college football. Yeah, it went pretty well. I know uh, there wasn't a whole lot of chaos and and upheaval uh, in the bad beats that we've seen in the past few weeks. It was a predictable, I guess, as far as college football goes. But week seven's on tap as the biggest weekend uh, of the year so far, if not maybe the whole year, maybe of the past couple of years. This is just a loaded slate that I'm really excited to talk about. For sure. Absolutely. And for the mini pod last week, had a great UCF uh, win on Wednesday night with that one getting pushed around and then just a really horrible beat with a 26 point Houston fourth quarter for us not to get the Memphis cover. So one and one on the mini pod last week. But let's move forward to week seven and we will look at Thursday night here between Baylor and West Virginia in the Big 12 Baylor, a three and a half point road favorite. Total of 55 in this one, some 54 and a half still out there as we record. Uh, Just your thoughts on this Big 12 matchup here. Well, I'm really excited for this one because I'll also be at this game uh, and I've never been the to my Husker people. Stadium. <laughs> he's been to more than 100 college football stadiums and he's not stopping anytime soon. <laughs> the map behind him will have pins all over it. You're not even going to be able to see the map anymore. <laughs> but I am looking forward to this game. It should be a really good one. Uh, the line showed maybe it was going to bump back down to Baylor minus three because that's where it opened at the earlier books at FanDuel at Circa, but it opened at three and a half at the uh, DraftKings and and MGM and those. Um, It looked like it was going to tease back down to three and then it didn't. Uh, It rebounded a little bit. Uh, We were getting some plus 100s on Baylor minus three and a half. So uh, that's unfortunate. I was able to grab it at the opening. I know not everyone, though, jumped on it at that time. Uh, And that's Okay, and and I'll get into that in a minute. Uh, number one for West Virginia, C.J. Donaldson, their star running back, workhorse running back. He's out. He is not playing in this game. He suffered a horrific uh, concussion. It, it's been a it's been a rough stretch in football in the past couple of weeks with these scary looking concussions. Uh, but sure. He could be out four to six weeks. I've heard so he's not playing in this one. And in that game against Texas, which we've seen Texas play some really good defense. Um, but they still only went for 4.0 yards per play in the whole game without Donaldson. So losing him is major. Now, West Virginia is also going up against Blake Chapin of Baylor, the quarterback who's been playing really well this season. He's completing almost 70% of his passes, thrown nine touchdowns, only three interceptions. And West Virginia's secondary has some concerns. They're giving up yards to anybody and everybody that comes around and wants them. So I think Baylor is going to be able to take advantage through the air and without West Virginia being able to control the clock and run the ball like they want to. Um, I'm taking Baylor in the points. I'd take it. I took it at three. I would take it at three and a half. 
I would take it all the way up until six and a half, I think. Uh, the aggregate power rankings that I have, or power ratings, pardon me, in front of me, which includes Sagarin, FPI, uh, SP Plus, all those ones, favors Baylor by about six points on the road. So that's, I think, a good barometer about where it's at. I know Morgantown's a tough place to play, but Baylor's just a better team here. Couldn't have said it better myself. We are in agreement on this game. I also like Baylor to cover here on the road on Thursday night. The team uh, West Virginia just lost to is Texas. They beat West Virginia 38 to 20 last time around. Texas on Saturday is hosting Iowa State, the number 22 team in the country. That's the Longhorns ranking at this point. They are a 16 and a half point home favorite. This one kicking off noon Eastern time on ABC. We have a total in this game of 49, 49 and a half, depending on where you shop. And we are starting to see some disagreement here with this spread, Brett. We have some 16 still on the board. We have 17 on the board with less juice. So um, not quite a consensus here. You can get the number that you want depending on where you shop. But um, I think this Quinn Ewers kid's pretty good, huh? (laughs) That's one way to put it. He is the difference between Texas being a decent team and a very, very good team. And I know Oklahoma has all sorts of problems. I know their defense is a total mess. Um, but Texas still looked really good. And Ewers objectively looked good. He was decisive. He was stupid accurate. Just every throw was like, wow, the ball just jumps off his hand. So um, I'm looking at Texas very differently than I did without Ewers. Um, and that's interesting that you say it's climbed to 17 because it was 15 and a half for the good part of Sunday, Monday, Tuesday started to creep up, uh, Mm. you know, Wednesday. Now it's, it's creeping up and it could continue to creep up. Uh, I think a lot of people are expecting to, uh, see Texas run away with them. So, uh, this is a different game for Iowa state and Iowa state's played some good defense. Their metrics stand up on defense, but here's a list of quarterbacks they've played. Now, uh, Spencer Petrus, if we can call him a quarterback, they did play him. Yeah. Uh, they played uh, Rourke at at Ohio, but the worst Rourke, not not the brother that's in the CFL now is pretty good. Uh, his his younger brother, who is is not nearly as good. Adrian Martinez, who's been electric this year, but he's not a superstar passer. He gets it done with his legs. Um, they played Jalen Daniels, who only had 14 attempts. Uh, Iowa State had 35 minutes time of possession in that Kansas game uh, that only managed, I think, 25 combined points. Um, and then they played Blake Shape and a Baylor who threw for 238, three touchdowns, no picks. So I don't think Iowa State's even really that good defending the pass based on what we've seen. They they faced nobody. And when they did face somebody, they gave up some production. So I think Ewers is going to be able to move the ball. Texas is going to be able to score. And I don't think Iowa State's going to be able to score against power five opponents this year. They've scored 10 points, 24 points, 11 and nine points. That's so that's horrible. That is so bad. Um Although Texas, uh, again, their offense is ridiculous. They had 7.2 yards per play against Oklahoma, and they only allowed 3.3 yards per play. That was Oklahoma down Dylan Gabriel. But again, I don't know how much more threatening Iowa State's offense is than Oklahoma's is even without Dylan Gabriel. So uh, I think Texas is going to run away with this one. I, I don't love the spread. It doesn't really excite me if it was more like 13 and a half. It was, if it was under two touchdowns, I'd be all over it, but it's not. Um, I lean maybe Texas over the team total. We were talking about it in our college football discord. If you, if you find a link and jump on there, you can talk about it with us. But someone did throw out Texas over the team total 31 and a half. That's interesting. 
Um, and again, if that Texas minus 15 and a half pops again, I don't think it will. You can maybe jump on that. And for the novice betters out there, shop for team totals as well. The the spread and the game total is going to give you an idea of who's going to have the better number for a Texas team total. So like as we record right now, Texas is a 17 point favorite total of 49 at DraftKings. That's going to be a more expensive team total over on Texas than if you were to go to uh, BetMGM, for example, where Texas is still a 16-point favorite with a total of 49.5. So even if it's the same number, you're probably going to get a better price on that over. So don't just shop around for for over-unders and and spreads. You can also shop around for team totals as well uh, if you want to follow what Brett is is going to bet here with the Longhorns uh, team total over. Um, yeah, and pay, and pay attention. Yeah, sorry, I was gonna say really quick on the team totals. Pay attention to those two because sometimes the spread and the, and the point total will move, but the team total won't, and that yep. creates value for betters. So if you watch, maybe the uh, the point total jumps up two or three points, maybe the spread moves a point or two in either direction, and that team total stays the same. That is no longer an on market number. That is an off market number, and you should be attacking those. Absolutely. Quinn Ewers, four touchdowns in that 49 to nothing beatdown against Oklahoma. In the Big Ten, a top 10 showdown, monster game between Penn State and Michigan. Noon kickoff on Fox. The Nittany Lions, the number 10 team in the country. The Wolverines, the number five team in the country. Harbaugh and Michigan, a touchdown favorite in this one with a total of 52, 52 and a half, depending on where you shop. There is a juice six and a half as we record still at FanDuel, but heavy juice on minus 120. Uh, We're seeing mostly minus 110, minus uh, seven for the spread across the board here, Brett. Yeah, and it, it kind of speaks volumes to this slate that we're looking at where Penn State at Michigan is not the biggest game of the day. Yeah. Normally it would be, uh, but we're talking about it being the second, maybe even the third biggest game of the day. Uh, I'm really excited for this one because I think there's a lot of opportunity on Michigan. Michigan has not been an impressive team so far this year because of their schedule. And when they played teams like Maryland and even the early goings against Indiana, uh, they weren't blowing them out of the water. So I think people are down on Michigan um, James Franklin, though, let's talk about his road record against Michigan, Ohio State and Michigan State. So kind of the big three in the Big Ten. He's teams he's hired and expected to beat. He is two and ten on the road against Michigan, Ohio State, Michigan State. Uh, and the average point margin in those losses is 16 and a half points. Uh, he's lost by 30 or more points four times on the road. Again, to those three teams, he's paid to beat. He's expected to beat. And that's a big point of contention and actually a big reason why I'm going to bet Michigan at seven points. I'm good with seven points. I'm not laying the juice on six and a half. Uh, it's just too much. I, I don't like betting totals that, that are juiced. Um, but looking at the aggregate power rankings, Michigan favored by nine and a half points. Again, that takes into account Sagarin, FPI, FEI, SP plus, you name it. Uh, they're liking Michigan by a lot more points than the spread is. And Michigan's at home. The big house is a very difficult place to walk into and play. It's one of the the cathedrals of college football, and it's a it's a great environment to play football in, not great for road teams. So I'm wary, I guess maybe is the word for it. I, I'm not really sure why Michigan is only seven points, and we're seeing some buyback to knock it down to six and a half. Um, 
But I want to talk about these run defenses really quick because it's really easy to look at it and say, oh, yeah, Michigan's only allowing 2.6 yards per rush. Penn State's only allowing 3.0 uh, yards per rush. Their resumes are just sketchy. Neither team has played a team that's above 99th overall in uh, yards per rush. Um, and interestingly, Sean Clifford has actually never thrown an interception against Michigan. He has a winning record of 2-1 yeah. and one against them. But I think Michigan's a better team here. And when you ask each of these teams to run the ball against a very difficult defense. Michigan has shown me that they can do that against Iowa. And when Penn State can't run the ball, we see what happens. We saw what happened last year when that team couldn't run the ball. They were atrocious. So I think when you put the ball in Sean Clifford's hands and ask him to throw it a lot more, it's going to go differently than if Michigan needs to line up and play bully ball or put the ball in J.J. McCarthy's hands and win the game. So I'm taking Michigan minus seven. By the way, one of those James Franklin wins over Michigan was during the COVID year. So yeah, well, let's let's talk about both of those because one was against Michigan in that COVID year where Michigan went two and four, and the other one was against Michigan State who fired my uh, Mike D'Antoni that year. Those are only yeah. two road wins against those three teams. Yeah, for sure. So I I'm with you here. It feels like they are not properly taking into account home field advantage on this line for it to be um, less than seven and a half less than two possessions. So I think, uh, I think I'm with you on this for sure. I think Michigan here, I, the first, the first time James Franklin wins a big game at Penn state when it's not a COVID season, then I'll start taking him seriously in these road environments and these, in especially the big house here. That's, that's a tough spot for James Franklin and the Nittany Lions. Staying in the Big Ten, another noon kickoff, this one on the Big Ten Network, Minnesota minus six and a half, <clears throat> beg your pardon, Minnesota minus six and a half at Illinois, total here, a low total as you'd expect, 39 and a half. Uh, Minnesota was the darling of college football analytics for a little while here, and then they lost 20 to 10 to Purdue. So where is your opinion now of the Golden Gophers? Hasn't moved. I think they're a very good team. They were without Mo Ibrahim last uh, in that loss. They they lost him for most of the game. And again, I, I hate to uh, harken back on last season so much, but Minnesota could not do anything and was an objectively just okay team when they didn't have Mo Ibrahim in the backfield. So he is a difference maker to this team. I think he he should be back is, is the reports I'm seeing. Plus, he gets that extra week to rest up. So Minnesota's coming in on a rest advantage. Um, and I think that's why they're favored by six and a half on the road to Illinois. But who would have thought that we were talking about Illinois leading the Big Ten West after six weeks? They're five and one, and they just keep beating teams that we say aren't going to that they're not going to beat. I think Minnesota is a different story. They're not as flawed as Wisconsin. They're not firing their coach. They're not as flawed as Iowa with that 15 point abysmal game. That was just impossible to watch. Um, but the Illinois run defense has been playing Really well. They're only allowing 2.4 yards per rush. That's fourth uh, nationally. But again, look at the sample size. Wisconsin, they're going through their own stuff. Iowa couldn't move the football against a uh, scout team defense. Um, Indiana has their troubles running the ball. Virginia's terrible. And Wyoming is, you know, whatever. So I, I'm not taking it too much into account. But they're getting the job done. Uh, and they can run the ball really well themselves behind Chase Brown. So, um, but are we comfortable with Minnesota's nearly a touchdown road favorite? I'm not I'm sure, probably not man. betting it. I'm not sure either. Yeah, right. This could be a game where I look back and it's 24 to three Minnesota. And be like, oh, of course they were the better team. Or we keep betting against Illinois and keep losing. Those are kind of the two options here. Yeah, for sure. I think, you know, 
Minnesota, again, the, the darling of the metrics, they are number two in the nation in EPA margin. They are basically top 20 in every stat across the board when it comes to EPA offense and defense. And then, you know, Illinois, they just come off a win, but it was nine to six against Iowa. Like you're, you're very prototypical, stereotypical Iowa game. And across the board here, they have a very strong defense. I'll give them that. I mean, Illinois is, is elite. It, it appears on defense when it comes to EPA allowed, but that offense is, is a question mark here against Minnesota. So, uh, can they keep this low scoring? Can they keep it close enough? I'm tempted if we get the seven here. Six and a half, I'm not sure. Temp, I'm, I I kind of disagree with the number already on six and a half, but like seven would be really interesting here if we if we get some people back in Minnesota based on these metrics. Uh, what are your thoughts if we get to seven? I'm probably not betting Illinois either way. Um, okay. It's one of those, they've gone into my do not fade list, and I know betting on them is not fading them, but it, it's kind of one of those things where like, and we'll, we'll talk about TC here in, in, a, in a couple of minutes, but you know they, they keep winning, and you have to give them their respect because they keep winning, but every win looks worse and worse every week. Yeah, in terms of what their opponents have done against other opponents, right? Is that basically yes. what you're saying? Yes. Yeah. 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 I'm. I'm with you, man. I'm with you. It's. It's scary. I'm. I'm not saying I'm going to bet it, but I'll say I would not bet Illinois unless it gets to seven. <clears throat> um, but the, I think with all the metrics with Minnesota, <clears throat> sorry everybody, battling a little something over here. Uh, I think with all the metrics with Minnesota. This is probably going to be one-way action, I would assume. Um, so if you're if you're wanting to bet Illinois, hold out, get as close to kickoff as you can, and see see where this number goes. All right, it's not the main event for this loaded college football slate, but in this house, it is the main event of this college football slate. My Syracuse Orange, number eighteen in the country, mind you, facing the number fifteen NC State Wolfpack, and to my bewilderment, the Orange are three-and-a-half-point favorites, 3.30 p.m. kickoff on ACC Network. I don't even know if I have ACC Network. Like, I don't even – I got to figure that out too, by the way, with all these damn college football networks. Uh, over under 44 in this one. But let's be honest here, Brett. The only reason that Syracuse, despite being 6-0, and is more than a field goal favorite in this game is because of quarterback question marks with NC State. Yeah, Devin Leary's probably not playing this game. Uh, the the coaching staff was kind of vague about it. They said oh, it could be six weeks, could be one week. That tells me it's probably going to be closer to six weeks. Um, again, you know how college injury reports go. They're not going to release it, so we're not going to know until game time. Kind of like what Oklahoma did, sending Dylan Gabriel out there in full pads warming up in the mail. Ah, no, just kidding. He's not playing. Um, yeah, Devin Leary's hurt. That, that kind of sucks. Um, it's I kind of feel like the end of the road for NC state believers. I was one of those preseason. I was super high on NC state. Um, but if Leary's not playing, they have a good defense to win games, but I don't know if they have the offense to win a lot of games. Um, how about this though for Syracuse last game? It was against FCS Wagner that they won 59, nothing, but they played 10 minute quarters in the second half. They yeah, like everybody's a- over under bets <laughs> got canceled because freaking Dino Babers is a man of the people and was everybody to cash their damn bets. Like, what are we doing here? This isn't pop Warner high school JV football. It's right. Quarters. We got bets to cash. Dino. I didn't even know that this was allowed at the FBS level. It's right. What are we doing? <laughs> 
Now I got a handicap. Now I got a handicap because the FCS team's so bad they might play ten minute quarters in the second half. Like it's hard enough, man. I don't think I've even seen that. And I know Nick Saban's Nick Saban, but I don't think I've seen that when Alabama hosts like some poor opponent and just beats up on them. They're like, oh no, we're playing the full 60 minutes. Nick Saban cashes tickets, damn it. (laughs) Come on, Dino. Uh, 15 minute quarters till the end. You want to run the ball? You want to kneel the ball every possession? I don't care. We need legal bets. That's tough. We need need bets cashed. You're right. I completely <laughs> forgot about that off the top of the show when I was saying that there were no bad bad beats. That's uh that's an all-timer. Ooh, that's an all-timer. Yeah, that that's tough. Um okay. although the handle for Syracuse Wagner was probably the same as the amount of money I have in my wallet right now. So Yeah, whatever. yeah, there weren't two. Yeah. <laughs> right. So, well, speaking of of handle and bet percentage, um I'm not sure the majority of people know Devin Leary's not playing. Um, or they're very optimistic is because NC State has 83% of bets as of yesterday on them. I'm not betting NC State. Yeah. Are you? No, <laughs> I mean, that that reeks of people looking at the ranking next to these two teams and saying, oh, I'm just going to take the number 15 team who's an underdog in this game. Now, I don't do we know anything about their backup quarterback? Because I think that's why there's there's more tickets on NC State, but um like I don't know anything about their backup quarterback. That's always a mystery in college football. Sometimes there's a really good recruit who just hasn't played. And um with that being said, this is a this is gonna be from from everybody I've talked to up in central New York, this is gonna be a sellout. This is gonna be loud. This is gonna be the biggest, loudest atmosphere Syracuse has had for a football game in probably 20 years since like Donovan McNabb was last there. So um it's not gonna be easy for any backup quarterback if Leary doesn't play. Yeah, the backup got it done against Florida State in kind of a weird game. I think it was 1917 was the final, uh, but the backup was poised, but they didn't really score a whole lot of points uh, with him. Now, NC State is very good against the pass. They're a little bit more susceptible to the run. Syracuse is a run heavy team, but despite having Sean Tucker, they're not actually very efficient at it. Uh, They're 37th in run rate, but 87th in rush EPA per game. So that means that they're just lining the ball up and running it over and over and over again, whether it works very well or not. Uh, the, the typical establish it, you know, type of thing that we talk about specifically in the NFL. Um, here's the rest of Syracuse's schedule, though. And this is brutal at Clemson versus Notre Dame at Pitt versus Florida State at Wake at Boston College. One winnable Where, game on there. Where's the loss? Where's the loss? on that <laughs> schedule? <laughs> Where's the win on the schedule is what I'm worried. That Boston College game is legitimately the only one and maybe hosting Florida State at home because uh, Notre Dame's starting to find their their stride here uh, under Marcus Freeman. You know, they're not looking they're not looking past NC State. They are not. This is not a look ahead spot, but the start of a very, very tough uh, stretch here yeah. where they have to go to Clemson. And then turn around and host Notre Dame the next two weeks. Maybe they look at NC State and they're like, eh, Leary's not playing. This is a beatable no, I team. Think, I think with the I think with the week off and the atmosphere, I don't think they're looking ahead here. I don't I'm not I'm not worried about that. Um I think everybody in the program understands, including the players and the coaches, how big of a moment this is, um, especially for Dino Babers, who has yet to get a contract extension with next year being his final year on the contract. 
Um, they understand what's at stake here. And on top of that, yes, the, the back of the schedule is, is, is backloaded. Um, but let's not forget, like Syracuse doesn't go bowling very often. And they can right. lock it in right here, right now, if they if they get this win and stay on top of the of the division in the ACC. So um, I'm more worried about just the efficiency in the running game, like you were talking about. Yeah, I'm I'm not betting on this one just because these are two fairly mistake prone teams that will shoot themselves in the foot. Both of them, we've seen both of them do it this season, uh, even in wins, um, and they're among the most penalized teams in the country. Both of them inefficient run games, backup quarterback. This just has all sorts of no thank you written all over it. Yeah, I'm I'm honestly with you. Like I'll be at home rooting for him to win. But in terms of laying three and a half with the Syracuse University football program in a big game, no, I'm, I'm good. I'm not going to lay more than a field goal. If for some reason this gets under two and a half with the backup quarterback, I'm sorry, if for some reason this gets under three and we get two and a half or better with the backup quarterback playing for NC State, uh, then I will consider that. But let's not forget that Syracuse is also very lucky to still be undefeated with a, a last second deep ball touchdown to beat Purdue a couple of weeks ago and uh, and barely snuck by Virginia 22 to 20 with a last minute field goal in that game. So a little bit of one possession game luck here for Syracuse to go with this. And, um, you know, NC State may be reeling a little bit, but they are still the better program with more talent on that roster. So let's not forget that as well. You're listening to the lines.com podcast network. Looking for the latest player props and the best betting odds from the top U.S. sports books all in one place? Then join us right here every day this season for free picks and best bets from the sports betting experts you can trust. Check out the Lines.com NFL Megapod as Matt Brown, Steven Andrus, and Adam Candy break down every game for this weekend's football slate. Join the Coast to Coast podcast crew Mondays through Fridays as Nate Weitzer and Josh Lander bring you the best player props and game lines for Major League Baseball, the NBA, and the NFL. And tune in to Beat the Closing Line twice a week as Nicole Russo, Mo Nawara, and Eli Hershkovich dive into NFL opening lines, plus special guests from the sports betting world. So subscribe, rate, and review to the Lines Podcast Network, the source you can trust to make you a better sports better. Moving on here to the rest of the afternoon window, and let's head back to the Big 12, where number eight Oklahoma State is at number 13 TCU, a 3.30 p.m. kickoff on ABC. The Horn Frogs, a four-point home favorite, over-under of 68.5 points in the Big 12, Mr. Gibbons. This is the game I think I'm actually most interested to see and interested to see the results because uh, I've been fading TCU all season. I saw what they were last year. They had a ton of turnover in their program, a brand new head coach, uh, and I just didn't know what to expect from them. But each and every week, I've been proven pretty wrong. Uh, TCU is a very good football team. But like I said before, each of their wins is looking worse and worse every week. Oklahoma, huge win. Well, it turns out they're pretty bad. Uh, yeah. Kansas, pretty good win, but, you know, is Kansas just a fun team or are they a good team? Uh, even SMU, oh, great. Oh, well, now they're two and three. So I'm interested to see they're playing a legitimate opponent. Oklahoma State is extremely good, uh, especially on offense. Now that Spencer Sanders, look at, look at Spencer Sanders. This man was, he's been a playmaker for years. We've known that. But he's also been the guy that will break your team's back in half when you least 
expect it. And when you need him to do most, look at the Bedlam game from last year. He kept turning the ball over, was like, Oklahoma, take the win. And Oklahoma's like, no, we, we don't want this win. It's okay, Lincoln Riley's leaving. Um, but now he's cut down on those turnovers, and he's one of the best quarterbacks in the nation. So this is going to be a really fun matchup between him and Max Duggan, who I think is maybe the most improved player year over year. I mean, he's playing out of his mind. Uh, Quinn and Johnson receiver for TCU had over 200 receiving yards against Kansas. Uh, he's just, he's just a monster. He's one of those guys where you just chuck it up to him and, and he'll come down with it. So, uh, against Oklahoma state secondary, I think Quinn and Johnson's going to play pretty well. Um, again, both teams are just really good at passing. That's why we're seeing this 68 and a half over under. Um, again, I still have questions around TCU and I'm done fading them. So I'm not betting on this game because I've had success betting short underdogs on the road in the big 12 this season. Um, but I I'm, I'm off TCU's on my do not fade list for sure. This line has moved a little bit. Uh, it's gone to three and a half at most spots TCU, the favorite. So a little bit of money coming in on Oklahoma state, but you hear the concerns that that Brett Gibbons has in this one, no bet for him uh, in this big 12 matchup. Let's head over to the SEC and probably the game of the day in the college football. Number three, Alabama at number six, Tennessee, Alabama, a seven and a half point road favorite total of 65 and a half. Not your grandpa's SEC football in this one. Uh, How do you how do you see this one, man? This one is huge. Is Tennessee for real? Can they hang uh, with your boy? The guy you mentioned as a preseason Heisman long shot as well, Hayden Hooker here, right? So here it is. Here's your chance. Yeah, Hooker still isn't throwing an interception this year. He's uh, I don't remember the exact parameters around it, but he's one of like three quarterbacks have thrown as much as he has uh, and and have no interceptions. I mean, this dude is just efficient as can possibly be. Now, Tennessee's taking 89 percent of the bets. 89%. This is an example of people knowing the big injury in this game. And that's Bryce young. We don't know if he's going to play. Nick Saban says he's hopeful to play, but he's not confirmed to play as of Wednesday. Uh, knowing Nick Saban, we're probably not going to know until the first team runs out on the field. And it's either Bryce young or it's Jalen Milrow. Um, if Bryce young doesn't go based on what I saw against Texas A&M last week, Tennessee plus seven and a half pretty good you, you uh, better be Milo, on your not, phone you better be on your phone and and checking those reports constantly because if that comes out yes. this line's moving in a heartbeat yes yes it is and and one of the indicators of that is actually one of my best bets of the week which is the first half line now typically the spread is cut in half and that's your first half line that the books usually assume the teams are going to play pretty equally in the first and second half. They don't try to put in, well, this team might play better in the second. They, they don't mess around with that. It's usually the spread divided by two. Not the case here. Tennessee is a five-point underdog in the first half on a seven to seven and a half point spread full game. I'm diving on Tennessee first half. I'm not messing with the full game, uh, again, because of the questions around Bryce Young. Uh, the fact that this is such a high profile game, probably the biggest of the year. Uh, there's eyes all over this thing. Attention is, you know, the market is very strong for this game, especially for college football. You're not going to find a much stronger market than this game before the playoffs roll around. So I'm looking at this Tennessee plus five because I think the the game day atmosphere of Tennessee, probably their biggest game since Peyton Manning's been on campus since since they won the national championship. Um they're going to come out strong and Hendon Hooker can throw the ball. I think he's going to be able to throw the ball in Alabama's defense. No, even though that they're very good, 
Um, and, you know, it could be one of these classic things we see in the SEC all the time where the home team is jazzed, they're, they're souped up, they run out there and they play a really inspired first half and they take it to the break up by three, tied, maybe just down by three. And, and you know, it's one of those deals where we've just seen it a hundred times. So I'm taking uh, Tennessee in the first half. I'm not touching the full game because who knows how Nick Saban can adjust at halftime. And again, if you take Tennessee plus seven and a half and Bryce Young plays, your bet is in hot water. Because uh, I think Alabama's, we know about Alabama. They're the better team. Uh, they're incredible when you have a Heisman quarterback playing for you. I'm not really taking seven and a half points with anybody. Um, but again, you, you can throw on Tennessee, uh, but Jalen Milrow can't really throw. He hasn't shown it in two games. He's a terrific runner, but Tennessee's actually top 10 in the country against the run. They're surprised. They're, they're quietly very good against the run. Um, maybe surprisingly because people are like, oh, well, you can do anything on Tennessee. Oh, no, you can't run on them. You can throw on them, but you can't run on them. And I think if Jalen Milrow plays, Alabama won't be able to throw the ball. And we could be looking at a Tennessee outright. But again, pump the brakes, be extremely diligent. This number is going to move in one direction or another based on who's going to play quarterback for Alabama. Let's check in on these Heisman odds, by the way, as we as we talk about this game as well. And with the Bryce Young injury, it is now C.J. Stroud who is minus money here. He is favored over the field. Uh, minus 130 pretty much is the best price you can get on Stroud. Caleb Williams at USC, 12 to 1 is the best price on him. Then there's Hayden Hooker, who you mentioned uh, in the preseason. What was he, like 50 to 1 in the preseason? Something like that? Yeah, Hennon Hooker was, uh, I think he was 60 to 1. 60 to 1 on Hennon Hooker. So um, now he's 11 to 1, up to 14 to 1, even as short as 7 to 1 at, at Bet Rivers. So uh, he has skyrocketed up the board. And then he's basically in that same tier with Bryce Young, who with the injury situation is down to anywhere between 12 and 16 to 1. Um, so here, I'm going to put your feet to the fire here. If you think Tennessee can win this game, which you, you, you're only interested in in the first half bet, you're on record for that. But do you think C.J. Stroud at this point should be this much of an overwhelming favorite in the Heisman market? Or is there really a good opportunity here to take a shot on somebody at a double-digit number? You, you can take a shot on somebody just because those kind of season-long favorites are usually not the ones to win it. We've highlighted that uh, on the podcast here before. Um ignore the jerseys behind me. CJ Stroud is, is deservedly the odds on favorite. He is, he's making it happen without Jackson Smith and Jigba. And, and I know that his receiving core is nasty, but there is part of it where he's making them nasty. You see some of this ball placement that he does. Nobody in the country can throw the ball like he can. Uh, so he's deservedly the odds on favorite. Now, uh, Bryce young, I think his Heisman campaign is is done. It's over. If you miss a game or two, you're toast. There is such a razor thin margin in college football, particularly with the Heisman Trophy, that in a class as strong as this one with Caleb Williams, who can make a name for himself this week, uh, with CJ Stroud, who's continuing to shred, doesn't matter who, everybody and anybody, uh, and then you have guys like Hennon Hooker that are upcoming. Stetson Bennett's still kind of in that conversation. Uh, Adrian Martinez has jumped onto the field. When you have such a loaded class like that, uh, and, and you see Alabama can still win without him, I think Bryce Young, he won his Heisman. That's great. It was tough for him to repeat anyway. I think the campaign for 2022 is, is toast for him. 
Before we move on to our final game, which is USC and Utah, the only other Heisman guy I want to ask you about is is the Clemson quarterback, DJ. I always mess up his name. Can you, Uangalele? Did I get that Ui, close? Uangalele, I think it is. Uangalele. Thank you. I always miss a syllable in there. My apologies. I just call him DJU. DJU, <laughs> yeah. So, so he's 25 to 1. We know their schedule is cakewalk, and we know that just going undefeated immediately puts you in the Heisman conversation. Uh, he's got 17 total touchdowns, only two picks. He's got 1,400 passing yards. I think the CJ Stroud's 1,700. We know Ohio State likes to run the ball as well, so there's an opportunity maybe for him to catch uh, Stroud. Any interest in him? No, no. And I've seen people putting bets down on him. No, I, I'm not interested in him at all. Uh, and that's just from a my eyeballs tell me that he's not that good of a quarterback. And when it comes to the Heisman Trophy, it's about flash. It's about pop. It's about, wow, look at this guy. Uh, DJU doesn't have any of that around him. Um, you know, he really wasn't in he, preseason. He was among the Heisman favorites, contenders, whatever you want to call it at his odds. Um, and then he wasn't in the conversation until they played Wake Forest. Well, Wake Forest couldn't stop anybody at all. I, so I, I'm, I'm not interested in him. Um, he was somebody on my fade list from the start because he could get benched at any time. doesn't look like he's going to get benched now because he's not as bad as he was last year where he only had 10 touchdowns or sorry, nine touchdowns and, and 10 interceptions. Um, yeah, he's playing better again, schedule. He just doesn't pop off the page. I I'm not interested in him whatsoever. Fair enough. I, I tend to agree. It's a, it's a, Attractive number, but I think you probably need a CJ Stroud injury at this point for for DJU, um, or a, a couple lot of injuries Ohio State losses. I'm not sure. Uh, <laughs> what would you say? I say or or a few injuries at this point because I I still yeah. think that there's other guys that are just more interesting than DJU is. Fair enough. Yeah, or or an Ohio State couple of losses. I'm not sure which is more unlikely at this point: an injury or or a couple of Ohio State losses. So, uh, all right, final game on the slate: Pac-12. Really, the, the game of the year in that conference, what's left of it. Uh, USC, number seven, at number 20, Utah. Utah, a three-and-a-half-point favorite. I think that's going to surprise a lot of casual fans, given how much hype USC has had. Over-under of 65 in this one. Do you agree with Utah being more than a field goal favorite in this game against the hyped Trojans? That's interesting. More than a field goal favorite. If you're going to ask me uh, if I agree with them being favored, the answer is yes. But more than yeah. a field goal favorite is interesting. Um, I am not getting in on this. This is the first big game for USC under Lincoln Riley and Caleb Williams. Um, I'm not a big fan of first timers. U- Utah's had multiple big games this year. It is worth noting, though, that they are 0-2 in those big games. Going to Florida, they lost. Um, and then hosting, or I, I'm sorry, they played at, at UCLA. They got stomped at UCLA. Uh, and UCLA is a very good football team. I'm, I'm really interested to see how, how they track for the rest of the year. Um, maybe setting up a really interesting USC UCLA matchup later on. Um, yeah, that three and a half is interesting, but I'm, I'm not laying the points with USC. I, I, the, the market didn't overreact to Utah's loss against UCLA, which is great. Um, I like when the market doesn't overreact, even though it's not great for, for value for us betters. Um, uh, Utah's defense though, does have some serious problems in that they're missing a lot of their guys from last year. Their offense is still clicking. It's still great. Uh, but that defense is very porous. Now USC's defense is also porous and they're not this physical beat you up team that we've seen beat Utah twice this year. And Utah is three and oh, three and oh, four and oh in their winnable games so far this year, they're undefeated in their winnable games and they are winless in their big games. 
Which one does this classify as? I don't know. The number in front of USC tells me it's one of those really big games. But it's also at home in USC. Like you said, it's a lot of hype. They haven't really shown it yet. Uh, so I'm not laying the points with the USC. But again, I'm also not laying the points with Utah because three in the hook at home against a much higher ranked team with a lot of offensive star power and Utah's defense not being all that great. That doesn't excite me as something I want to bet on. If this gets under a field goal in the live market early on in this game, I will bet Utah. And I, I will also bet Utah, yes. Yeah, so I, I to me, it's because USC is really bad at stopping the run. Utah is pretty physical. They are top 40 in EPA rushing. Uh, USC is outside the top 100. So I think that's the biggest mismatch in this game. I think that allows Utah to shorten the game, to keep it close, and to ultimately pull out a, a close game here at home. Uh, we saw USC had trouble on the road going to Oregon State earlier this year, uh, a game with a spread that had people scratching their heads a lot when it dipped from like two touchdowns down to inside seven, and it was the right side. Oregon State was in that game all the way and frankly probably should have won the game. USC squeaked out a 17-14 win in that one. So um, I think that this line is appropriate. I'm surprised it's this. It seems the market has sniffed it out. It seems the odds makers have sniffed it out, and they've had this game circled all season long as a spot where USC is most likely to lose. Uh, but if we get under a field goal in the live market, I'm in. And you said you agree yeah. on that, right? Yeah, I, I do. And uh, I think our opportunity for uh, the market catching up to USC and being able to bet USC pretty profitably is over. Um, that kind of sucks. It was a fun ride while it lasted. And it's not to be understated that Rice Eccles Stadium is a extremely difficult place to play. This isn't no offense to Oregon State. This isn't Reeser Stadium. This is Rice Eccles in Salt Lake City. It is one of the most difficult places to play in the Pac-12, maybe behind Autzen. I'm with you. I agree. All right. That's it for our uh, college football show for this week. Enjoy it. It is a loaded slate headlined by Syracuse. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, but, <laughs> but, but a great slate. I hope everybody enjoys it. As always, hit that like button. Hit that subscribe button if you're watching us on YouTube. Let us know in the comments who you are betting on in college football this week. And if you go to thelines.com, top right corner, hit that Discord button. It's free to join our Discord channel. Go to the Rolls channel and click the buttons next to each person's name so you can get push notifications every time we lock in a bet. I'm doing a lot of NFL bets. Brett's locking in a lot of college football bets. That lets you know when we bet it to give you the best opportunity to get the number where it needs to be before the line moves and you lose value. So awesome new feature. Go check it out. And again, thanks for watching. For Brett Gibbons, I'm Steven Andres. Best of luck with your college football betting. 